The Fellowship of the Real is going live starting February 18th. The podcast will still be the polished, shiny, beautiful thing it is, but if you want to see the ugly side, the unedited side, the we'll-fix-it-in-the-mix side, then tune in February 18th at 10 a.m. U.S. Central Standard Time, or thereabouts. You can ask questions and leave comments during the show, and we will do our level best to respond. This time, we will be reviewing Hot Fuzz and Blade Runner The Final Cut. Yep, that's right. Tuning in live allows you to get a review weeks before it comes out. Did I mention it will be ugly, unedited, and that we'll have to fix it in the mix? See us there. Facebook.com, Fellowship of the Real. Are you recording this? Studying a movie in the mechanical level, I think, can, can really bring some revelation. I believe that no one says out to make a bad movie, with the exception of... On paper, this should work. You know, this should work. But I, I just don't like it. That's your own fault if you haven't seen it. Way over Those budget. Start yeah, cutting right, yeah, scenes. Even the actors don't know what that movie is about. Shit, I, I wish I wrote that. Which I love the title, but that movie's trash. Well, it's oatmeal, man. It's good for you. Okay. Here we are at Fellowship of the Real, talking movies. Uh... This episode is a redo. I'll just put that out there. The audience can thank me for never hearing the first <laughs> attempt at this. We are going to start off with The Breakfast Club. Uh, this episode is The Breakfast Club. And I got carried away with this movie. Uh, I made like 20 pages of notes. There is a lot going on in The Breakfast Club for those who want to pay close attention. And I tried to get every single detail down. I think at some point there were spider webs on James and Chris was asleep and Sherry had talked to her lawyer about a divorce. So <laughs> we, we just stopped and uh, I said, we're going to just redo this. And I went back and I cut down my notes to what I thought was essential and the beats. And so we're going to try to keep this to an hour. The, the first attempt, we were at an hour and I, nice. <laughs> and I thought I was, uh, we were at an hour and I was still like in the setup and had like 18 pages of notes and it was undoable. It All right, we're back. That's the hazards. And I'll try to get those rings out of there. But if I can't, oh, well, that's the hazards of, uh, you know, this amateur operation that we're doing. We are not in the studio. And so we are subject to the. Oh, you should hear some of the podcasts I listen to. Whatever. They let anything. I've heard ambulances. I've heard cats. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah, Mark Marin has uh, a guy next door that does yard work. Yeah. And he'll be in a, there interviewing Sam Elliott, Barack Obama, and you just hear, <laughs> Yeah. No, I like uh, what the fuck, what WTF? I love that podcast. <laughs> I listen to it. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's no Christian Bell here to, to yell at us, you know, and what the fuck yeah. are you looking at? <laughs> Fuck's sake. I mean, and I love Christian Bell. But, right. And I like listening to that rant that he had. No, know, no. Well, Tom Cruise has a good one too. Yes, he does about the COVID. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with him. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I was like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So uh, we did not answer that phone, and I don't care who it was. So but yeah, on this redo. Hey, maybe that was a, a podcast caller. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. It, it well, probably it was. It probably speak, was. Yeah. <laughs> they got us recording. Fuck them. Not just playing. <laughs> um, well, they, well yeah, it's, a, it's SpeakPipe, so it would be on the web page. We are not. <coughs> anyway. Yeah, just, I don't know. I still think you're you're being unfair to yourself about this redo. And. We had talked about, I guess, when we first started this, and it sounds like 
I guess that version will never see the light of day. But I, we... I deleted it. It's gone. It... Oh, damn. Well, there you go. It's gone, people. Sorry. It was an um, hour of me and three snores is what it was. Again, I think you're being unfair to yourself. But I guess when we talked about at one point, and again, we're still new at this. So we're trying to figure out what we want to do and how we want to do it. But we had talked about like maybe, try, obviously, we want to try to keep it to an hour. And the ones that, that run longer than that, right? We, we cut them down, release the hour episode, and then maybe we, we have like a note or something. Hey, you know, if you want to hear more about this one, here's the, I don't know, director's, director's cut or whatever you want to sure. call it. Like, I guess that's where my, my head went on that, on the redo, especially if you could lift some of that and put it into to the one we're going to do today or, or add to it or yeah. I don't know. And, and granted, you're the tech guy doing all that stuff. Well, that's probably not. Feasible. I never even listened to it, but I it was just, it was me just fine tooth combing that thing. And, and I, I'm not even sure I took a breath. I don't know. I Maybe I did. But anyway, it's gone. And. All right. There's, I, I had thought about well, maybe a series of blogs breaking down, you know, each. Yeah. Uh, cool. But I, I, I've, I've never seen someone so cracked out after a chili dog. <laughs> <laughs> you were energized. Well, I was, I was so excited about that movie, uh, and I'm telling you, man, if 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 he didn't plan all that stuff, then it, the then the heavens and stars aligned because I really think, you know, that movie is probably. One of the best written movies I've ever seen. I just I, I gotta say though, after after that incident of you just you were so thoughtful about what you were doing and putting it together, I did go home and watch The Breakfast Club with a new Sure. Like a new passion, I guess. And I'm actually sympathetic towards Bender now where oh, previously yeah. I was not. Yeah. yeah. No, he uh mind for sure. Yes. No, he is they're obvious, and I didn't get into like the archetypal characters, okay? But but writers will make use of archetypal characters. So you have the king, the bully, the trickster, the you know, and they play roles in the movie. And uh, at various times, I think he plays different roles, but I think largely he's the he's the savior character in that archetype, right? Uh, yeah, and as far as to take it back to Blake Snyder terms, he's everybody's B story. Right. Yes. Yes. And he, he changes. Is. And he changes himself too. But he's he's the agent of change for right. everybody. All yes. the kids. I I would say, I don't know how much Bender changes throughout the movie. He seems the same at the yeah, end. Yeah. I guess. Um, and we can get in. There's <laughs> that. Uh, we'll get to it when we get to it yeah. or whatever it was. But like at the beginning, I don't feel like he would get with um, was it Claire Molly Ringwald? Right. But at the end, he does. So yeah. uh, that's why I thought maybe there was change there. You know. But maybe he. Yes, know, she's, uh, and, and she's attracted to girl from you know the opening scene to the end. So maybe well, and he's a dude. So maybe always he you know wouldn't if he had the chance. But and and, and principally uh, he says it, but I think they are genuinely attracted to each other at the end. And yeah, but he says you know uh, what would be a bigger I, I'm paraphrasing. What would be a bigger way to like shake up things, shake up your parents or whatever, than to date a guy like me or whatever? Right. And, and so I think he's using that as a vehicle to shake things up. But I think there's probably something there. Uh, mm. You know whatever. Anyway, well, you want to do box office and all that stuff? Yeah. Or? Well, there's a couple things I wanted to oh, okay. mention. We need we need obviously people to listen, and people are listening. But it's it's the 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 downside of a movie review podcast, I think, is people will listen to the episodes they want based sure. on the movies they like, rather yep. than every single episode. Obviously, we want people to listen to every single episode who are absolute complete story nerds like us. Okay, so. We talked about this not being a crazy podcast. We don't have a lot of sounds and maybe, I don't know, but because we delve so deeply into the writing and the mechanics and everything that makes that movie 
come together, we want to talk about. And that's completely nerdish. Like if we were a super, uh, comic book podcast, we'd be talking about, you know, origin stories and Superman. And, all, you know, we would delve that deep into the nerdom of comic books or whatever. But we're doing that with story. And so I don't know that that is necessarily going to appeal to the casual listener or the casual movie fan. But I hope that there's like a bunch of story nerds out there who will find us and maybe even writers or whatever who want to just comb through things because they love movies that much. You know? you know, and that's what we talked about, right? Like that's what I feel like it's going to be, you know, a work in progress finding kind of the fine line because, you know, going, like you said, going that nerdy and breaking down the mechanics of story, that's what sets us, I feel like sets us apart from the rest of the podcast yeah. out there in the movie podcast. But at the same time, yeah, we, we want everybody to, you know, to enjoy each episode and all yeah. that stuff. And even, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. In my own experience checking out other movie podcasts, yeah, I 100% looked through and went, oh, I like this movie sure. better than this. So that's those are the ones I listened to initially. Yeah. Right. And and if if we have, once we get enough episodes, if we decide we want to continue doing this, there will be a, a snowball effect where people have more options to check out. And so we're getting more daily listeners, even if it's not every episode or whatever. Uh, anyway, so that being said, I did want to sort of, I don't know if this will help or encourage people or if they, people who listen ever listen again. Uh, but I thought we would do like a shout out to a, a listener somewhere that, that I was able to check in tracking that they listened to. So uh, I just went way out there. And so there is a listener in Bengaluru. I'm going to not get this right. Bengaluru, uh, Karnataka in the country of India somewhere who has listened to our podcast. So if you're listening now, they listen to Blind Date. And so hopefully they'll come back. Hi. Yeah. Hello there. Hi, Bengaluru. Karma Taka. <laughs> India. Yeah, hi, and thank you for, for listening to our stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, analytics are, are uh, an addiction. You, I, ch- I check them every day, all the podcasts, and you know, anyway. So, something that uh, is in the notes, but obviously we want to also mention we have a speak pipe. Speakpipe, speakpipe.com, Fellowship of the Real. You can leave us a, a voicemail, uh, comments, tell us what you want us to review, what you thought of the movie we reviewed, and also facebook.com, Fellowship of the Real. You can also comment and post, and we try to put stuff up there that's movie-related or whatever. All right. How it came out. Money Critics fans, I guess we're doing the Breakfast Club first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Breakfast Club was mine, so I guess I got the printed notes. Uh, this movie cost a million dollars to make, which astounded me, but then I thought about it. I mean, it's, it's up-and-coming actors, and they filmed it in essentially one room. I think the studio gave him a million dollars. I think they, they, were, they were seeing if he could do it, gambling on him, and, and uh, it had a budget of a million dollars, and domestically it made $45 million. Internationally, $5,600,000 for... A uh, total of fifty-one thousand five hundred twenty-five dollars, fifty-one million, on a budget of one million. So they had to be happy about that. Uh, this movie is universally loved. Tomato meter uh, over its history, critics uh, that have given it three stars and above is eighty-nine percent, and audiences that gave it three stars or above at ninety-two percent, which I think is about right. I would be surprised at any numbers less than that. I. I've become, like I said, totally in love with this movie or whatever. Uh, yeah, this was John. What's John Hughes? John Hughes. I was gonna say, yeah, 
Uh, this second movie after Sixteen Candles. Okay. Uh, before Weird Science, Ferris Bueller. So before he really took off. And before as Vacation as well, right? Yeah. Well, he he I, wrote Vacation. He didn't direct it. I don't believe the first, the National Lampoon. Yeah, I think he had a script out there. Yeah, because he wrote. Yeah, he wrote it. Wrote and they, he didn't direct. Yeah, Mr. Mom, National Lampoon, Vacation, all that came before Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club. He yeah. wrote those. Uh, his so he, okay, yeah, writing, so writing record. Yeah. Held up to any, almost any other writer in Hollywood. I don't know. I, I I don't know that many writers and their their uh, resumes. But Hughes has got to have more movies than I. I couldn't think of another writer. Maybe you can, Chris. That has that many movies that uh, you know scored and hit that that yeah you know are made. It's absolutely freaking amazing. Yeah, no, because he's got an impressive resume just as the ones that he wrote and directed. But if you go back and look at oh, all yeah. the stuff he wrote, I, too, I didn't know yeah, he wrote it's... Mr. Mom. I watched Mr. Mom years ago when it came out. Right. I, of course, I didn't know him or whatever. But <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. All right. Into the Breakfast Club. You said, Chris, did you, did you or did you not have all the beats you were not able to? I did not have all of them. I have some. I just didn't okay. get, them, get them all. What's the, what do you have for genre? I, I didn't actually write it down, but I want to say. Probably a coming of age, like rites of passage. Rites of passage, yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I wrote it down for Tombstone. I guess I forgot to do it. What's another example of a rite rite of passage story? Stand by me, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Anything yeah, it, where a kid. Yeah, so it says moves from adulthood from childhood to adulthood, or yeah, so it says there's a problem, right? And I don't know that. I don't know. That, I don't know. Does it? I think a lot of times it is a kid, but I don't know that it has to be a kid. No, um, it probably doesn't. Because so I guess the three ingredients you need are there's a problem, and then the wrong way to fix it, and then acceptance. Yeah. Um, so like in this case, it's, you know, teen angst or whatever, and then the wrong way to fix it is the detention, and then acceptance. And, you know, and we'll talk about it but by the end of them accepting, you know, who they are and how their, you know, their their differences, and then they're also, they're a lot more alike than, than they initially yeah, think they are. Absolutely. All right, so I just have a, a short set of notes before I get to what I think is the opening image. This movie is about the kids, and I'll, I'll just briefly go over this. These kids are on the brink of having their heart die, okay, as Allison says toward the end of the movie. When you grow up, your heart dies. So that's where these kids are. They're right on the brink, I think, of their... They're in danger of their heart dying and becoming like their parents. I think a couple times throughout the movie, are we going to be like our parents? It's inevitable. Yeah. Well, you know, and that ties into what the principal was saying too. But no, these kids turned on me, man. Right, whatever, right. Yes. I mean, it's his, his heart has died, and yes, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's the fact that he changed, not the kids. Uh, uh, Brian at the end realizes that this has already started. He said in his essay, "We were brainwashed," uh, and so this is this is, I think, where they are. Their heart is about to die, and they are starting to come to the conclusion that they've been brainwashed into a certain way of thinking, and that they will perpetuate that if they become like their parents. They are prisoners in, in a prison of another's making. So this, this I think, is going to touch on theme as we get into it. Uh, I think Hughes is telling us through the choice of the Colonel Bogey March that the kids whistle together. The, the thing that they whistle is from made famous from Bridge on the River Kwai, which is about prisoners of war in a prison of war camp. Uh, being mistreated. And I think that Hughes is saying this is where they are, that they are being held prisoner uh, in a prison of another's making. So, uh, living under inhumane conditions imposed upon them by authority figures whose hearts have already died. So, so th those who are over them are what they are destined to become unless something happens. And I think they, in this movie, they start to 
realize that. Uh, yeah, I think you could also make an argument for for the genre, um, for it to be uh, inst- institutionalized. Yeah, um, yeah, that, as well, that's good. You've got um, so it says uh, every story in this category is about a group, right? So you got a group of kids. Yep. Um, family organization doesn't matter what the group is, and then the story is a, uh, is a choice. The ongoing conflict pitting the Brando, like the rebel, yep. versus the um, I'm probably gonna say this wrong. The knife, 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 N A I F. The knife, yeah, the knife, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the innocent or whatever, right? right? Yeah. Versus the system or company man, yeah, which absolutely. I think is you know what this almost is like uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but one flew over the cuckoo's nest is a institutionalized. Godfather uh, is too. Yeah, is it okay? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. yeah, right at the beginning, he says, "That's that's my family, Kate. That's not me." And right, by the right, end, right. he's he's joined up. Because I guess uh, and that brings us to the third one. Finally, a sacrifice must be made, and you get three endings: either they join, they burn it down, or they commit suicide. And yes, which which falls into the yeah, cuckoo's yeah. nest because Brian had thought about yeah. Had thought about committing suicide, and uh, anyway, so they look uh, the the authorities, the the ones who's already died. They look at these kids. Uh, they see them. Uh, the choice of the I didn't know that this song was written for this movie. I thought it was a song they just used for this movie. But uh, don't you forget about me. It was written for the movie, uh, and so the authorities are, as the song says, looking at them but never loving them. So they're seeing these kids, but they're not loving them. Mm-hmm as individuals or allowing them uh, to be whoever they want to be. They are trying to institutionalize. That's probably them. where a lot of that million dollars went. Now I think about it, you know, they're single location. A lot of these kids are, you know, they weren't big stars at the time. Yeah, no, so. they, these, they, they would eventually become the Brat Pack, but I don't think they were that. The, yeah, no, this helped make them the Brat Pack. Right, yeah. Right. So anyway, I just not thought about it. Yeah. Cause a million seems high to me for, but yeah. Uh, when did this movie come out? I forgot. 85. 85, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what that would be today or whatever. But, uh, so this is a situation that, that they are on the brink. Uh, they've been subject to brainwashing. They're on the brink of having their hearts die. Uh, and so this is the most important moment of their life, which is what you want to write a story about. You don't want to write a story about their everyday life. You want to write a story about the most important day in their life, and I think this is it. Um, okay, so now we're into the opening image. We're going to do the, the mechanics. Uh, I see, and Chris, you can comment on this. I see the opening image being the song, the epigraph at the beginning from David Bowie, which is uh, these kids that you, know, you spit on are quite aware of what they're going through. They're immune to your consultations. Uh, the, and the kids being dropped off by what I'm calling their jailer. So you see them being dropped off by their parents, and there's not a single good situation there. They're all being, you know, uh, thwarted by the various circumstances of each of their individual lives or whatever. Right, yeah, Claire is getting dropped off by her dad, and it's really, do I have to go to this? You can't get me out of it. Right. And then you've got, oh, what's the nerd's name? Brian. Brian. <laughs> Academics. Yeah. yeah, Brian's, you know, use every opportunity to study. I don't care what you do, study, study, study. Yeah, we're, we're not supposed to do anything. Well, you you make, you find a way, mister, you know. Right. Right. And, and then... then uh, uh, Andrew's dad is like, uh, you know, like, well, you just got caught. We all got right. caught. We yeah, all do yeah. stupid nobody's stuff gonna, or whatever, yeah. You don't want to be a discipline case. Yeah, nobody's right. going to give a ride to a discipline case. Right. Uh, and then and Bender, you don't see his parents, and he just, he, he walks, walks up. straight up. And I think we had talked about this maybe last time, is the, 
uh, I don't remember the girl, Ali Sheedy. I don't remember the character's name. It slipped my mind. But she, uh, yeah, well, they, the, her parents, whatever, have to slam on the brakes to avoid hitting Bender. Right. Yes. And I think we talked about like from moment one, you see him. He's here to shake things up yeah. and be different. Everyone else is being dropped off in this kind of mundane, depressive way, and here he is just walking through. Yes. Zero, you know, fucks given about what's going on around him. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, the, her her situation is she says my parents they ignore me and they just drop her off and she yeah, goes she to look at them and they take off and yeah, they yeah, take yeah. off. Yeah. And then runs straight into the one they cannot ignore. And I think we had talked about yep. Bender will be this agent of change, the one that nobody... And he and uh, I don't know if I even thought of this last time, but he will say to Claire, you couldn't ignore me if you tried uh, right. when they're having their yeah, yeah, hot yeah. talk. You know, he's trying to get her goat or whatever. You know, uh, yes, the one they cannot ignore. You know, I agree. Those are, the, yeah, them being dropped off is the, the opening image. Yep. Yes. That's what I had. This is their starting point, basically... In a prison camp, in a prison, uh, and and on the brink of becoming like their parents, being forced to, and their their heart dying. Oh, and you'd made a note last time. Um, uh, you'd said it that uh, on the the epigraph, like it um, it doesn't just fade away; it actually shatters. Yes, it shatters. Yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> I think early on, John Hughes is saying, uh, "You cannot." Uh, we'll get into it, but you cannot. You cannot negotiate or 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 calmly get out of this things have to break down for the change that needs to happen to come uh there's they're gonna have to shatter and i think i think they spend the rest of the movie doing that and I think, mm. anyway uh so i think we got the opening image but I, I the theme i i don't know that i ever heard it clearly stated i have that it's hammered throughout but well stated late and clearly by allison are we going to be like our parents it's inevitable because when you grow up, your heart dies. That's I think that's the premise of this movie. Sure. Are you going to allow your heart to die? Yes or no? And then they set about debating and answering that question. But I think that comes late, which is, doesn't concern me necessarily. Um, yeah, I'm gonna change my. I think it's in, institutionalized. I really do. Yeah. yeah more than because yeah, it's. Are they gonna join that? Are they gonna join the right their parents and, no, that's the, and good. the principal that have you know let their hearts die? Or are they gonna burn it down? You know. Yes. Or commit suicide. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which one of them seriously thought about? Right, right, so right. That's kind of on the nose, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more that than rite of passage. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So the setup: five kids are in detention with yeah, um, Principal Skinner. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have the arrival of the kids, the evidence of their brainwashing. Uh, Allison, Allison, that's her name. Yeah. There Allison we go. Arrives. Yep. That's funny that we couldn't remember her name, and she's the one that everybody ignores. I feel terrible about that. All of a sudden. <laughs> Good job, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Allison arrives, uh, the one who was ignored, uh, the outcast cast off by her parents. We learn that though she states plainly that her parents ignore her, look her way but never love her, as the song says, all these kids' parents ignore them and instead nurture them with convenient, what Brian is calling convenient definitions. And that's what they're being defined with, and that's how they're defining each other at this point in the setup. And then, of course, we talked about Bender. Across the path of these jailers passes one they cannot ignore, who will bring their consultations to a screeching halt, symbolically, but literally with the car. Uh, Bender arriving, Allison's parents having to see him, the car coming to a stop. Uh, he arrives and will be the one to knock over and rearrange things, uh, much as he does on the counter. His first thing he does is he starts knocking things over, and that's going to be, I think, what he does. Right, yeah, he's touching and poking and... <laughs> and yeah. And then he makes Brian move, right? Yes. He does. Yeah. He will be the one to change their minds. Uh, and so... I, I did leave this in. I, I cut out a bunch of uh, minutiae, but I, I, I think it is... I, when, when I saw that 
and began to realize what was happening. That's when I think my jaw first hit the ground. He makes Brian move. Yeah, he's a bully. Bullies do that to the weaker. And Brian is obviously the weaker. Right. But Brian is the brain. Brain Brian. We talked about that. Okay. I think Hughes is saying all these kids are going to have to change their mind. So he moves the brain from one side to the other. Mm. And I, so I think that's... Yeah, very cool. I, I think... And that's what I'm talking about. Uh, writers have choices when they're writing these things, and it depends how much I think they want to uh, have Easter eggs, if you call them, or want to hammer theme. Because a writer has the opportunity to hammer theme in every sentence. And I think Hughes does that here. I, I think if it's too on the nose, it becomes labored. But I, don't, sure. I think Hughes has just enough nuance that he hammers it, and he had a choice. He could have moved any one of those kids. He could have had Bender sit down, whatever. No, right. he had to move, and I think he's because it's all about the changing of your mindset. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I just I saw that, and I thought, well, that's it. That's what you he's know, doing. And, and I, I hesitate to even try to compare you and I to to Hughes. Um, but but we are writers, right? And I think, I think it all really kind of just if I think about some of the stories we've written together, right? Like it just boils down to like how in tune you are with the theme. Yes. Where a lot of it just comes out naturally, right? Because we, we're the themes in the back of our minds. So we're thinking, oh, well, we could do this because that pushes our theme. Right. I mean, yeah, some of it's, you know, you're, like you said, you're you're coming up with it. But just uh, when I think, you know, I think back on it, like you don't have to force a lot of it if you're really in tune. Right. It, com- it occurs naturally. If you are, yeah. And so, like, for any future, like, so, so as I watched this and as I thought about it, to me, like the number one thing a writer should do first is, is decide what he wants to say and then build everything else sure. around that. Sure. Because if not, you don't know, oh, I, I got to have a funny part here, so let me have him fall down. Well, okay, right. what does that do? Well, maybe that's funny, maybe it isn't. But if right. everything is serving theme, then you can say, well, this helps, this doesn't. This character would do this, right. he wouldn't do this. You know. So I think theme increasingly is the center about around which you should build a, a story, sure. you know. Yeah, because you can have cool, cool characters and set pieces, but if you know if that's all you got, or what is that? How does that relate to theme? You know, right. this is obviously watching one of the masters, John Hughes, do it. So if they're going to be hammering home theme, this is a great one to. Yeah, oh yeah, really I, I, it opened my on. eyes or whatever. So obviously, you wrote thirty some odd handwritten pages of a love front note, and back. To John Hughes, front and back. And when I, when I flipped it over and I saw James' eyes get real big, I was like, oh. Yeah, this is yeah. not working. Not good. <laughs> we, we stopped him from getting the "Oh Bender, how I love thee." Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, to Bender, like you know, <laughs> like in uh, Lord of the Rings, where I can't read those books because there's like 75 pages of some guy singing a song as he walks through the forest or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so that's Philip about right. Bender. Bender. Um, so is the catalyst Bender moving, forcing Brian to move, or is it a little bit later? I, I have it just a little bit. Okay. The principal comes in. It's all part of setup. It's just. Yeah, so far I think we're still in in setup. Okay. He wants, the principal comes in, he wants them each to write an essay. He gives them each a separate page and tell me who you are. Right. And they can't move. So they're all on different pages at this point, right? So there's many pages. Oh, very nice. Yeah, anything about that? Yeah, 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 very nice. Uh, Hughes, man. They're all on their own page, and by the end, they're on the one. And at the end, they're all on the same page. Nice. You see, I got like I started watching this, and this is why I wanted a six-hour podcast. I'm like, oh my god, if I don't do this right, Hughes is going to turn over his grave and he's going to haunt me because. But these I idiots did, had a chance to talk about how great this movie was, and they didn't. I don't. I I just yeah. Anyway, John Hughes out there haunting anybody that ever talks bad about his movie. Oh my god, this. That's I, a, I think like if like idea. if you could only select one idea. one John Hughes movie, 
I, mean, I love 16 Candles. I love all his movies. I love Plane Trains. Plane Trains makes me cry every time. I love weird stuff. I love Maul. I like me. My, my wife likes me. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah I like that one. Until uh, James ruined it with that theory of his. Uh-huh. Well, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, hey, what smells over here? Just, but, but. I think this this movie ought to be taught in writing classes. I think whatever. Anyway, it probably is if you ever take one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or we ever teach one, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Oh. That's where the money's at. Yeah, but- no, yeah, no. Going into this, like Ferris Bueller, hands down. I love plane trains and automobiles too, but Ferris Bueller. If I'm going to pick a John Hughes, sure. it's because that's so much fun. You're right. But yeah, no, no, no. Maybe we should watch it at some point to see if it's yeah. as deep as this. I have a feeling it's probably not going to be. But um, hey, maybe yeah, th- there was so much more going on in this movie than I realized. Maybe right. for the holiday movies. Uh, the next one could be Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. That way we could also do a double issue, right? John Hughes. I'm telling you, man. It's, 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 Did he do? Oh, a minute. Home Alone two or just one? He, I don't. I, I'd, I'd have, have to look that up. I don't I know. I know he wrote one. Did you think he wrote two as well? Or I don't. I don't know. Because two is my favorite. Yeah. yeah, two is. Yeah, two is good. But and then and then you have this odd phrasing. And again, this is the writer's choice, and you can just listen to it and enjoy it for what it is, or you can understand that Hughes is saying something here beyond the mere words. This odd phrasing, maybe from uh, the principal, assistant principal, whatever his name is. Uh, uh, Vernon, right? Vernon, yes. Yeah. Maybe you will decide if you want to return. And that's it. That's just say, you know, you, maybe you will decide if you want to return. To detention? What's the, what, to return where? To, you, but who says it like that? You need to decide if you want to ever come back here. You know, there's a more natural way to say that. I think Hughes is saying, you're at a crossroads. Do you want to return to who you are? You have to decide because you guys are, are rebelling and we yeah. need you back in line in the system. Mm-hmm. You need to decide if you want to return to the system or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think at the end they decide they do not. But he could have said this a more natural way. And I think that's, I think Hughes is asking us in the audience and these kids, if you look at it a little deeper, do you want to, you want to be in the group or do you want to be out? And I think they decide they want to be out. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about this before last time, if I remember right. Um, yeah, they're they're all kind of like Neos that are aware that there's something slightly off yeah. with their world, and then Benjamin's Morpheus. Yes, and, I, I, uh, I thought about open that. Their eyes. Yeah, I think you mentioned that last time. Yeah. Only Bender as the rebel leader challenges. Uh, his skills at this point are rage and sarcasm, but I think that will be enough to get them motivated. Bender himself struggles. He's full of rage. He's not the perfect leader, and he doesn't have the perfect plan, but he knows something is wrong, and he's the one that's going to lead the charge. Uh, his skills are rage and sarcasm, so I think he's the one, like we said, the agent of change. Uh, he says to Allison when she arrives, the one ignored, uh, <coughs> I've seen you, you know, which, again, is, there's, there's going to be a lot of this odd phrasing in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you, you know, you know and, and he says it to the one that's been ignored. So Bender sees what others do not. Yep. I don't know that Bender, un- you don't want to give too much credit to the character, okay? This is the writer speaking through the character. So Bender may or may not be aware of everything that he's doing yeah. as a character. But as a character, he is the one uh, that is playing that role. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Bender at the end of the day says, I'm going to get all these kids together. And, you know, I don't think he has that plan. Yeah. Okay. But I think together, he will bring them to that realization. Well, you were saying that his his weapons are sarcasm and rage. I think. Rage. Uh, I didn't realize this till the second time after watching it after your love fest <laughs> was Bender 
was he's like, hey, I've seen you around before. He was, you know, he was a butthead. Yeah. But he didn't become nasty until Emilio Estevez turned around and, and jabbed at him. Yes. That's when he turned. He's like, hey, I'm being attacked here. Right. Yeah. By oh, someone. My sarcasm. Yeah. By someone who probably sounds a lot like his own dad. Right. right. Nobody exactly. wants you and they wouldn't have you and, and this kind of thing. So he immediately sets him into his rage mode. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's not yeah. his fault. Like yeah. it was, he was totally antagonized. Emilio Estevez turns yeah. around. They and, flipped his switch, which is yeah, his right. dad. Yeah. The cigar burn. And then at some point he says, I don't think I need to be with you dildos anymore. And right. off he goes like, but he's, he got a knife. He's ready to pull out. And I mean, he is fighting for his life and he hears, yeah. I think that's an excellent point. I didn't think about that. Andrew and Claire both kind of turn around. It's like, yeah, because yeah, Estevez is going to be two hits. Me hitting you and you hitting the floor. Yeah. Right. 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 And that's his dad. I bet his dad said that to him. Yeah. He, if he's burning him with a cigar, he's probably got, you know, because he talks about, you know, bam, you know, right. when he's big. So he's been subject to all of that. Right. Uh, and so that is what he's fighting against. And, and yeah, that, that, that's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's why I had that sympathy for Bender. Now I'm like, man, he didn't start it. I mean, yeah, he's a butthead. He come in, he's ruffling feathers, but yeah, he Andrew's wasn't the, the first one, one the, the one who you know taped the kids, you know, butt cheeks together. Exactly. He's the first one that talks about physical, you know, violence or yeah, sure, and or contact and, with somebody. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he starts to realize this because at the end he says, "I think your dad should meet my dad." You know, uh, <laughs> right. so they 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 wind yeah. up. Yeah, no, that's that's. So where is? Where are we at on the? Uh, I on think the we're beach? still in the setup. I have one more thing. Uh, okay, it's still set up. Okay. Uh, Bender gives the enemy a name. He calls him a brownie hound, dealing with the currency of favor and basically ass kissing. Mm-hmm. That's how you get ahead in this world. Later, when uh, Vernon is down in the basement looking at files, getting dirt on other people, oh, what you know, uh, and the janitor comes in. Vernon is trying to get dirt on other people to have control over them in some way, even if it's just mental. Right. And the janitor says, okay, well, I'm going to talk unless you give me some money, 50 bucks. So here's the, here's the currency of this world, getting stuff over on people, bribery, you know, favors. This is brownie hounds, right? And that's, so Bender identifies the enemy. Yeah. Uh, With Brian standing up, you know, yes, sir, I can assure you, none of us want to come back here. He's, Bender is on his own little island yeah. amongst a bunch of people trying to survive in that world. Yes. And that's what he's so frustrated about. Again, yes. a lot of sympathy for that character now. Right. No. Uh, yeah. So that's, I think, I think at that point, that is the setup to me. What do you have as your catalyst, Chris? Um, or, or do you have anything else in setup or, or? No, I don't have anything else. Okay. Um, like, I guess I, I felt like maybe him removing the screw from the door. Like when he starts messing with the door, like that was the catalyst? Yeah, I, I, I have that as... Is that what you have? Yes. Okay, cool. Bender, because he, he actually says the words, he wants to get this party started. Oh, uh, nice. Okay, I missed and, that. Uh, he, and it's also the doorways that you like so much. Yes, so. I... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he closes the door on the principal yes. type of thing. He wants to get this party started. He wants that door closed. He, he needs physically starting to dismantle the system. Yes, yeah. he needs that door closed because the door is accessed to them by the system. And screws fall out all the time, yes. man. Uh, and and so think, this is... Sorry to cut you off. No, no. When he says screws fall out all the time, they're prisoners. Aren't prisoners referred to as screws? Yeah. And screws fall out all the you time. You know, I feel like he was definitely talking about himself, too. Like, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I've fallen out of the system. I'm, I'm not part of your bullshit anymore. This yeah. whole, I'm on to you, man. Yeah. This whole conversation is absolutely two levels, and, and it's, it's awesome. You know, uh, screws fall out. Yeah, absolutely. Everything we just said. He... He is the screw that has fallen out. The system must be dismantled. Uh, you got to close off access to the system. I mean, it's the whole thing in in compact writing is there, and that's it's just 
Or sometimes screws just fall out, man. Sometimes. <laughs> screws fall well, out all the time. <laughs> okay, so in any in any societal change, there has been a screw that has fallen out, right? Okay. You got a screw loose. Uh yeah, out. Che Guevara or whatever. I'm not I'm not a big socialist or whatever, but he's held up as this rebel. Uh you know, Martin Luther King is the screw that fell out, right? I mean, yeah. you know, nonviolent protests and, uh, you know, just pick a time and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Braveheart, right? It's a screw that fell out. So there's the sure. screw that has to fall out, right? And change begins. That's, you know. Yeah, that's... Absolutely. The door slams and the party begins. And, and there is this whole scene of, you know, Andrew and, and fixing the door and everything. Andrew, the, as archetypes... The archetype will always try to solve the problem according to their archetypal powers. And Andrew is physical, so it's always going to be a physical solution. He wants to fight. Right. You know, Claire always thinks she can buy her way out of it. Brian wants to negotiate and reason his way out of everything. He stands up. Oh, no, sir. I can just get this over with right now. We never want to come. Sit down. So, you know, so and all these things are going to fail to change the system. Uh, only the skills that Bender has are going to get them yeah, because they physically try to prop the door open with a couple things and it doesn't work. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, and the system will always try to protect itself. Vernon ridicules Andrew yep. for the thing he told him to do, right? right yeah, it was his idea, but when it didn't work, all of a sudden, uh, come on, what are you man, doing? Yeah. 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 yeah, like it was right. Andrew's idea. Terrible. Uh, and that's that's the brownie hound. I can't look bad. I can't. It's always got to be saving, you know, so that's and the And the whole. other one, Brian's like, but aren't there fire exits? Shut up. Yeah, yeah. again, he's trying to reason. Right. Always, and that's his skill, you know. Claire would buy her way out of this if she could. I wish I was on an airplane to France, she says later. You know, I just, you know, a, a, a money and an airplane can take me to another, you know. So that they're always going to be going from their, their archetypal roles. I think the stakes here are reiterated, and, w- and we can talk about this as we go, because Bender's greatest fear is that his life now will be his life forever. And Vernon says to him after this whole scene about getting all the detentions, uh, I'm going to have you for the rest of your natural-born life. And that's the first time, one of maybe one or two times, that he actually shows fear. And I think it's because Bender realizes that unless there is a change, this will be how my natural-born life is going to go. And that's the threat of the system. We've got you. Yeah. You, know, you stay in your role, we've got you. And he'll be raging his entire life. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We got the catalyst nailed down, I think, is this door slamming in the, in the hole. Yep. All right, so... Uh, I don't. We're still not in the break into two as I have it. We're coming up on it, and I'll, I'll get to it, and then you could sort of tell me what yours was. Allison, we already have a reference to the. Well, we will have a reference to the bridge over the river cry with the with the whistling. But Allison is drawing a bridge. I I thought she was doing snow, but but Chris had pointed out it was probably stars, which makes more sense uh, with her dandruff. But it's it's a reference to the bridge, and there's at least two references with the song and with this picture. Uh, and of course, a bridge is taking you from one place to another. So I think Hughes is subtly reminding us this is a journey and they're crossing over from one place to another. Maybe a little reading into it, but, but why a picture of a bridge? Yeah, right. She could have been drawing anything. Any, anything. She could have been drawing a dildo or something. Sure. But yeah, it said it's a bridge. A bridge. I just And, and then the, the, the song, which I think didn't, didn't, wasn't, I don't think it was written for Bridge Over River Kwai. It was a song before that, but it's what, is made famous by that movie. Anyway, right. The other a couple of cool things here as we get move beyond the catalyst, the destruction of the book. I had mentioned this before, and Chris had said profoundly, "Don't judge a book by its cover." 
Bender is destroying a book. The book is by Moyet. Moyet wrote political comedies back in the day and is considered one of the greatest writers of comedies ever. Uh, but every one of a lot of his comedies held up a social issue to get people to look at it. Right. And that's the book that Bender is occupied with. And I think Hughes, like you said, could have picked any book, could have picked any picture, could have right. picked any character to move from one seat to another, but he picked Moliere and didn't tell us that he was the greatest comedy, but lets us discover that on our own and then be amazed like I was. Right. But I think that's purely intentional. And then Bender looks at it when the others say, oh yeah, I like his work or whatever, you know. Uh, <coughs> absolute choices every step of the way. I you think. know, and they're tearing the, like you said, they're tearing the covers off the books. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the fact that they all say, oh, I love his work. It's like, really? It's like, is that what you're, is that what you're saying just to fit in and be cool? Have you actually read it? Like, well, I, that's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah. They're just all bullshitting each other. They're not being real. It, it could be. Uh, I, you don't think Brian had read it? I, I think Brian probably, probably has read, read it. it as he's the probably the only one. The rest yeah, are bullshit. Possibly. Yeah. Claire, maybe, because she's society. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't know. What about Bender? Do you think he actually... No, Bender it? looks at it like, huh? Yeah, right. Because he's kind of amazed when they say... Because I'm sure when he heard Moliere, he was like, oh, you know, brainy, nerdy stuff, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Old book. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he, he kind of looks at it... He looks at it almost the same way as when Claire says to Brian that it's okay for a guy to be a virgin. He looks completely amazed that someone would, would admit that, almost as much as he is amazed by someone admitting that they read classical literature. Another odd phrase here, uh, nothing you can do uh, when you're trapped in a vacancy. And again, I had mentioned that I tried to look that phrase up because it sounded, okay, well, it must be Shakespeare. No, that is completely unique to this movie. And what does that mean, trapped in a vacancy? Uh, because it's such an odd phrase to me. To my ear, it sounded completely odd. Nothing you can do when you're trapped in a vacancy. Bender is saying we are, we are trapped in a in a big void of nothing that seems like it's something, you know, but it's really nothing. And I think Hughes is again speaking to us. Whether Bender knows he's the leader or the savior archetype, uh, later he will say. At some point, he will say to to uh, Andrew when they're fighting. And Andrew's trying to protect Claire. He says, "I'm." Bender says, "I'm trying to help her," and I think Hughes is again employing that archetype. Mm -hmm. The writer knowing more than the character, but the character still somewhat maybe aware of what's going on. You know, the appearance of Carl the janitor, seen as the untouchable peasant, a peon. His convenient definition is that untouchable peasant, peon, janitor. What what does one have to do to become a janitor? Janitor associated with, and he says, you know, untouchable peasant, peon. So they. They are on the brink of being brainwashed and really almost already have, seeing each other in these roles and then seeing the janitor and, and having this attitude. Well, uh, the janitor, what was his name? Uh, he was, in the beginning credits, he's the man of the year. Right, yes. You know, decade before or so. So he just, he's in this life, he's comfortable in this life, he's still at the school. Yeah, it's a, it's a very quick reference to his picture on man of the year. And again, Hughes is not going to, you don't want to be too on the point, and Hughes does this so subtly, that, that several viewings, you might start to pick up on this because he does have his picture of Man of the Year and now he's a janitor. Oh, you think, oh, he's fallen. Oh my God, what happened to this poor guy, right? But he doesn't see it that way. I'm the eyes and ears of this place. I, you know, I go and, so he, he seems... He's thriving in that system. Thriving in, in... He has defied the simple definition of janitor and is fine with it. He's in a place they need to be because he says, hey, to Brian, and Brian is, wants to be embarrassed and then Bender says, oh, your dad works here. So it's all ridiculed. But the janitor has no problem just dealing with anybody as a person. And he, right. 
but and that's where these kids need to be. So we want to see a janitor and think, oh, this poor guy, you know, he doesn't see it that way. He is defying his own simple uh, definition. He knows what time it is. He looks at the clock and, and he can and he sees hey, the clock is fast or slow. I can't remember which, but he knows what time it is. That's the first thought that occurred to me when he said that. The janitor knows what time it is. What's well, time for these kids to make a choice? You know, yeah. the, the time uh, is more than just the time on the wall. I, I, I just dug that whole that whole scene, man. You know, uh, they whistled the same song together, the Colonel Bogey March. They have answered the call. They're starting to. Uh, because I think they unify around Bender, even though they're separate, they don't rat him out. Uh, anyway, by the end of right. the first act, they're whistling this song together, uh, all together, and I, I'm seeing that as the act break. Uh, and they start whistling? Yes. Okay. They have answered the call and are ready for act two, and then we get into the fun and games. Is that what you had your... I, I didn't really have it. Um, I, I, I didn't know if them... When they decide to sneak out in the library, yeah, you know, if that was... It seemed like that was maybe too late. Um, they go to the bathroom, don't they? When he comes in and they're all kind of nodding off, and he's like, "Who needs to go to the bathroom?" Yeah, there's a, there's a. Oh, the I think it might be too, like yeah. the beginning of Act Two or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, they. That's right. Uh, at up to that point, they were at each other. Mm-hmm. It's the first time they do anything together. Yeah, and they were separate. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think yeah. you're right. I think yeah. That, now they're not there it. yet, but this is something they weren't doing at the beginning. Right. Debating, denying, not answering the call, whatever, and so this is a clear change in, in their behavior and, and, and maybe thought. I don't know. All right, so the fun and games, we can ju- I'll just go through them real quick and then we can talk about anything that's uh, important. At this point, they start calling each other by first names, okay, when they're having their various conversations. Uh, Allison and Andrew on the way to get drinks or whatever, uh, Claire, Bender, and Brian talking about being a virgin, not being a virgin. They, they start calling each other by first names. Hughes does several things by showing us unlike things put together, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, characters being put together, uh, Claire, the three of them, and then, and then Allison and Andrew. Uh, Brian's socks don't match. Al- Allison's sandwich has two kinds of bread. Uh, she takes out the meat and makes a sandwich of her own creation. And- Sugar deliciousness. Yes. Captain Crunch. Right. Ugh. Yes. Uh, and Bender's boots, one only, only one has a bandana. So there's all these things of mismatched items that I think is what Hughes is saying. I'm, I'm going to mix these kids up and what appears may not seem normal to them, but it's going to be what has to happen. Mm. Being a virgin is okay. Then being confronted with Andrew, why, why are you really here? Al, uh, Allison doesn't let Andrew get away uh, with an easy answer when they're on their way to the hallway. Okay, all that's fine, but why are you really here? And he won't answer. He doesn't answer till later. Sandwich is transformed into something of its own, her own choosing. They also will be transformed. I talked about the lines being drawn again. Vernon is making his own sandwich, sitting under a rigid character, a rigid uh, calendar for rigid products. Right over his head, it says rigid. Bender is Bender, the one who will bend things, whatever. Part you, of the fun. You get- said that just now with way less enthusiasm than you did last time. <laughs> yeah, and probably about twenty minutes short. <laughs> You're like, he was sitting under a rigid calendar, people. Yes, it's how rigid, rigid. he is, man, in the system. And yeah, you were way into it. Yeah, did you get it? I said it six times. Did you get it? I'll say, anyway, uh, I'm really trying to just, because uh, anyway, the escape scene, uh, Bender says, being bad feels good. Resisting convenient definitions uh, feels good. Their heart not dying feels good. The brain a little less washed feels good. Okay, all the, 
he's saying being bad feels good, but he's saying this is this is defying your roles, and it's pretty good, huh? You, you know, and it does. All right. So now there, there's a song that is playing when they're running away. Once they they're either going to his locker or they have been discovered and they're ha- or not been discovered, but they discover Vernon's walking around and they have to run. There's a song playing. Uh, I think it's called The Man on the Run or the, the Man Who Leads the Way. I don't know. I can't remember who sings it. It's in the credits. But there are two standout lines uh, because that's what he, Hughes did with, with Don't You Forget About Me in the beginning. I think those lines of that song are spot on as to what is happening with these kids. I think this song stands out for what, is, what Bender is doing. There are two standout lines to me. One, the first one is hot on the run from the grip of the power game, the man who leads the way. Uh, is a line in that song that is playing when Bender is running. On the run from the grip of the power game. I said, that's, that's the movie. Uh, other lines, taking a break from the everyday boy. Is he for real or is he back to the old way boy? The song is talking about a crossroads, obviously, right? Right. Are you going to be uh, the everyday boy? Are you going to be the old way boy? Uh, or are you going to run and fight the grip of the power game? And that's the movie. That's the yeah. exact, you know, a choice is made and that's the movie. Now, they are running, and they, I say they fall to their old fears and shackles. They, uh, they've been following Bender, and Bender wants to go a certain way. Andrew says, no, 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 that's not the way. You need to come with us. Come with me. And there's this debate, but Andrew seems like the authority and the more stable one, so they follow him, and they run up right against the bars of a cage. Uh, and I... Another choice. I think that is exactly right. You're gonna if you're gonna fall into the old ways, you're gonna run right back up into your bars. Bender, then Claire says, "Okay, now you know we're all caught. We're done." And he says, "No, only me." And again, he's playing the archetypal role of the savior. He says, "Only me." And he runs off, saving these kids from further punishment, yeah. detention, whatever. Yeah, he makes a bunch of noise to yes. to get Vernon to come uh, after him. Yeah. Yes, and and he sacrifices himself, and and we talked about it. Uh, that image of Bender grabbing the cage and looking up to heaven. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I started looking up Renaissance pictures of Christ on the cross, saying, uh, and it's specifically the scene painters will paint of Christ saying, "Why have you forsaken me?" When when Christ feels like he has been forsaken by God, dying on the cross. It's always sort of a look up to the left, and that is as soon as I saw Bender's face, I'm like, oh my god, oh my right. god, that's you know. So is that like a is that what you have for is that like the midpoint and the false defeat or is that almost almost okay? Um, that's what I had to note as I guess on mine was I feel like that was maybe the beat there was yeah. But I guess I'm definitely curious to see what you had. Okay, there are Bender's caught and he's put in isolation or whatever, and this is the second time that yeah, I he's think... got in the gym shooting the basketball because he's working. He's going to get a scholarship. Scholarship, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And, and he was wearing someone else's shoes. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. And right. I, it was James or somebody said yeah, taking we... a walk in someone else's shoes. Oh my god, I was like, oh my yeah. Yeah, Bender <laughs> taking his shoes off and had that other again, yes, listeners. Random... He was cracked out on chili. He dogs. had. <laughs> he was excited. <laughs> he had at, you know athlete shoes on or basketball shoes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There are only two times Bender's afraid, and both is when. The system represented by Vernon will never be vanquished. Rest, rest of your natural born life, and then in isolation, when you've forgotten all about this place, uh, I'll be there and I'm going to kick the living shit out of you. And Bender shows fear at that point because that, I think, is his greatest fear. I will never be free of this. Uh, never be free of this system. Right. You know. So when he's in isolation and Vernon makes that speech, that's your midpoint or no? For his sacrifice, he's put in solitary. Now, before he is put in solitary... Yeah. 
because they're back in the room, right? Yeah, so, he, so he's taken away. Bender does not wear glasses. I don't know where he got these glasses. You don't see Bender wearing glasses in the movie. He passes Andrew and he lays down the glasses. And he, and he, he says, for better hallway vision, man. What, 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 what is that? What, what are you talking about? Where'd you get these glasses? There's no setup for the glasses. Right. Okay. He is going to change the way they see things. There's no other reason for these glasses to even be there for better hallway vision. It's a throwaway line. Okay. But right. why glasses? Why to Andrew? Why, you know, as he's walking away, here's glasses for better hallway vision. He says that. Right. At that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, uh, it's gotta be. Right. He is, he is going to give them eyes to see. Uh, and I don't want to lay too much on Bender because he is not an innocent guy. Okay. Uh, whatever. He's not pure. He's certainly not. Uh, you wouldn't think of Bender and think of Christ. Okay. But one of the things, and, and, and I don't think he was meant for this to be a religious or spiritual movie, but I think he did mean it for uh, a story about a character who changes other characters. And to the degree that that is true, one of the you know verses about Jesus, he gave them, you have eyes to see, but you do not see. Talking yeah. to the Pharisees and, and the right. legal rulers of the time, uh, which is what was bred, got him branded a rebel, right? You right. have eyes to see, but you do not see. You have ears to hear, but you do not hear. Bender has given him glasses for better hallway vision, so you have eyes to see. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, if you could come up with a different explanation, I challenge you. But I, I, at that point, I'm, I, I wanted to build an altar. <laughs> 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 you know. The man who leads the way, okay? We just had that song, giving them eyes to see. Because I, 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 I thought about these glasses. Like, like where did he get them? What, does he wear them? We've never seen him wearing them. Yeah, so does it bother you that, it's, uh, that they weren't really set up? Because, I mean, it's really cool, and I, and I agree with you. That's got to be what he's saying, what Hughes is saying. Sure. But would it have been better if they were set up? Because it's almost, you know, you can... I don't know. You know I say you can see the writer's hand, right? The glasses are there because because you need them to be there. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's such a sarcastic throwaway line. You know, I think the line is the meaning of the line is hidden well for better hallway vision, man. Because they, you know, he just took them the wrong damn way in the hallway. Like that's cool, but I don't know. Like I'm thinking about it, the glasses. If they'd been Vernon's or some shit or something, yeah, maybe it I don't know. You know, but again, uh, it could be like one of those things. There's so much cool shit going on. Ah, you're forgiven for that one. And I didn't think about the hallway, but yeah. the, the uh, because Andrew led him down the wrong way in the hallway. And he's saying, next time you're faced with a choice like that, here you're going to see better after today. Yeah, because Andrew wouldn't, didn't refuse and stay in the library. No, I'm saying right here, they all right. got out. So they're, they're starting down the path, yes. but they still went the wrong way. Yes, yeah. because he's falling back into the old way. That they haven't gotten to the point where they can view it the way he, he yes. does. Yes, uh, I wonder, uh, here it says the Criterion Collection release of 2018 includes 50 minutes worth of deleted scenes previously unavailable Holy on shit. home oh, wow. format. So maybe that's in there. Yeah, maybe. But maybe. theatrical version, that's uh, yeah. a question mark. Yeah. That might be something yeah, you, know, know, you can put in your altar there. Yes. I w yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> okay, so at this point, I'm at the midpoint, and I'm calling it a false victory. Bender appears, uh, and all but Allison blaze up. So he's got his marijuana. Hey, you got my doobage? He has a tool that will tear down the last of their inhibitions, something that will remove the wash from their brains, literally, doobage. So everybody gets high at this point, except Allison. And I, I'm not entirely certain why she doesn't. I don't know if I've ever nailed that down. It might mix with her lithium. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it could. But uh, notoriously, marijuana and drugs, especially in the 60s, drugs have always been, alcohol breaks down your inhibitions. So this is a vehicle to tear down walls, drugs, right? You know, you yeah. know uh, 
drop in and tune out, man, you know, this whole thing. So, uh, you know, he has the tool to, to break down that final wall because they all light up and then it's party time and they're all together and they're d- dancing, I think, some of them, and, you know. And, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah turns into like a little musical for a minute. Yes. And so I think this is a, a midpoint false victory, but it's way late. It, it's not. Yeah, okay. There's only like 30 or four or 35 minutes left in the I movie. Initially, I had that. Um, but then I, it bugged, bugged me that it was so late. Very, very late. Yep. So I thought, okay, well, maybe him getting caught was a false defeat or something. So Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I got you for the net. The rest of your natural life just felt like bad guys close into me. But then, then that would mean that the the weed thing is a break into three, and, and that seems that doesn't seem right. So yeah, I, I think there is because because I think from the midpoint to Act Three is fairly condensed. Yeah, bad guys close in. Vernon in the basement. We see the coin of this realm. The way things are done, seeking advantage over people and currying favor. Vernon buys himself some brownie points for fifty bucks. So we we get a, the bad guys close in. It's not necessarily on them, but it's how things operate. These are the people they're dealing with, trading in power and money and favor. Okay. Still bad guys close in. The kids learn how bad it is for each of them, uh, that they have more in common than their convenient definitions would apply. The conversation between Andrew and Allison, is it bad? Real bad? Yes. What do they do to you? So this conversation between Allison and Andrew, they are starting to see each other's prisons, right, at that point. All is lost, of course, has to be a false defeat. They fall back into their old ways, the politics of power instead of being together like at the midpoint. Uh, Bender has one more wall to dare to tear down Claire's conceit. They get into this discussion sitting around in this circle, right? And right. Claire is in tears and Bender is ripping into her. And Brian says, you're so conceited, Claire. And that's true. That's, that, until she can get rid of that, she will never change. And I think at this point, Brian is saying, we will be friends Monday. I would never do that. Others are not so sure. Uh, Allison is saying, it's inevitable. Your heart will die. So they're, 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 they're having a defeat here because the high is over but they're, and, 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 and they're coming down and they're starting to, okay, I see what's happening here, but are we going to be brave enough to right. make it a permanent change? I don't think so. I would. Yes, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. You know, this kind of thing. So I think... They are starting to fall back into their own ways until uh, the break into three, which we'll get in a second. Dark Knight of the Soul, the lowest point in the movie. Everyone is in tears. Brian is talking about suicide. Claire is in tears. Allison is in tears. Everyone is at the lowest they're ever going to be in this movie, I think. Now, Andrew starts to sympathize with the, the, the kid that he bullied or whatever. Yes. How do you take something like that back? You never can. Right. The humiliation. the humiliation. Yeah. Yes. Um, Claire says, it's different for, for you. You don't understand the pressures we're under. And Brian says, pressure? I don't understand pressure. I almost killed myself, right? right. You know, so the lowest point. Uh, not until they see the pressure for them is the same and they are stronger together against that pressure are they ready. They are ready when they laugh together. So through all of that, then they laugh. Act three at that point is what I have. You know, I definitely had the, uh, on the All's Lost, I had Not Friends on Monday. Like, I had that as the, kind of the same, sure. in the same beats. Yeah. Um, and I guess just I had notes, and I guess is what we're getting to. Like, Claire going to Bender, and then Allison showing Andrew her makeover, as far right, as, like, yeah. the breaking into three stuff. Yes. Uh, act three is dancing, transforming. Allison gets transformed. Claire, you know, why are you being nice to me? Because you're letting me. Well, that's, that's the other side of these, these simple definitions. Uh, people treating other people mean, okay, but if someone treats you nice, are, is your wall so up that you're not going to let them in? Right. Well, that's yeah, it, most likely. Bender is not letting anybody in. Right. Allison 
nobody's letting anybody in, right? Uh, why are you being so nice to me? Because you're letting me. It's an odd phrase, but it's that's that's exactly what needs to happen. It's a two way street, right? Right. You have to accept, but you have to be accepted. I you think. know, there was a when we were talking about the the getting high thing and the dancing. Uh, I think we'd mentioned it last time. I just remembered Andrew goes in there into that room and closes the door and screams yeah, and, and shatters that door. Yeah, and and Hughes is on record as saying that about walls coming down. And yeah, stuff, that right? he he's not fond of that scene, but I think I think it's it's there for a reason. Maybe he thought it was a little too on the nose because yeah. it does seem at a little implausible. A little yeah. implausible that he would be able to shatter that glass. They but, they had to have something for commercials on MTV. If I remember correctly, I think it was, they rolled, it was just something to catch attention of teenagers. Like okay. it was a musical scene. Yeah. It played well on commercials. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was thinking about what you had said about Allison and why she doesn't get high. Right. Yeah. So earlier in the movie, he says, I, I, I've seen you. Right. Yeah. And she's the one of all the people that draws the bridge. Yeah. So in a way, like she's kind of where like, she's not, she doesn't need her inhibitors brought down as much as everybody else. She's she's more on the path than she's than, aware. Yeah. She's almost more aware than Bender. Yeah, but she didn't need the glasses. Doesn't have the skills vision. or the courage at this point. Yeah, that she needs Bender. You know. Yeah. The song that is playing here, again, a, a choice is called is called "We Are Not Alone," uh, that they're dancing to and all this kind of thing. And and uh, absolute obvious choice. Uh, because up at that po- up to that point, obviously they were each in their own cell, each judging another according to these convenient definitions. Here they're dancing together to a song called "We Are Not Alone," and I think that's intentional. Hmm. All the kids on the same page. Brian writes the essay, a manifesto of the new rebellion, is what I'm calling it here, after known as the Breakfast Club or whatever. They accept each other, and the untouchable peon, the Carl, a peon, Carl, the janitor, uh, the new order on display as they're leaving. They all say bye to Carl, and Carl says bye to them. See, and Bender says see you next Saturday. Uh, Brian says bye, Carl, and you know he. Not, so the peon is no longer untouchable. Uh, the peon uh, is no longer the untouchable peasant. He didn't think of himself that way. They did, but now they don't. And and Bender is totally fine with going back there. Right. I, and and I, we talked about this. I think I think Bender goes back there. I think he starts hanging out with Carl and help him clean up on detention. And I think at some point he becomes a janitor, but but um, the Mr. Miyagi of janitors, maybe. You know, I don't think he ever feels right. ashamed about being a janitor, ever. You know, right. now maybe he doesn't, but I could see that if you were like fan fiction, I would write you know Bender's story that way or whatever. They accept each other. The jailers, exchange, go ahead. I was just gonna. They exchange items of each other too. Back to I feel like back to that um, mixing and matching thing you were talking about. Yes, because because uh, Bender takes Claire's diamond earring. I think he even puts it in his own ear, right? Yes, and then. Uh, <laughs> Allison rips off his Andrew's patch or whatever. Yeah, yep. Like so, it's it's them becoming one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the jailers the jailers pick them up again, but they will no longer be held captive by them. I said. Uh, Vernon reads the essay and knows that I, I I'm saying Vernon reads the essay and knows he is lost. Each each one of us is a brain, an outcast, an athlete, a princess, and a criminal. Uh, we will not allow ourselves any longer to be brainwashed and defined by yours or anybody else's convenient definitions. My words, not in the essay, but that's what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, Bender, his job done, puts his fist in the air, which, you know, is the iconic image of rebellion. Uh, you know, fist in the air, the iconic image of solidarity and freedom. Cue the music. Nice. Yeah, so if we go with the institutionalized, I mean, they, they burned it down. They burned it down, yes. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, so. That fits really well. I like that. Yeah. Now, there's, there's, there's a lot going on in that movie, nuances. That is, I think, essentially it. 
But I, I would challenge anybody to watch this movie and just pay attention to every single thing that's going on. And, and if, 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 a, if a name like Moliere is mentioned, look it up because it's intentional, you know, I think. Yeah, when uh, after last time again, I went home and viewed it more as and they're in purgatory. Yeah. You know, they all arrive. They're going to decide if they're coming back here, if they're going on with their former life. And this movie is awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never thought of that seeing it as a kid coming up. I never looked that far deep into right. it. I didn't I always either. thought Bender was the bully. I don't like him. Right. No, I, I watched that. it a bunch of times before this time. Yeah. And then I don't know what uh, some something triggered it. Maybe I looked up Moyer or something. Like that. I don't know. Because I thought, well, I got to make notes about this. Okay, why Moyer? Why Moyer? Oh my God! Oh my God! So something pulled the thread, and then it started to unravel. As far as oh my God, this is a lot going on here. You know, so I think once and you and I'm not saying you have to watch the movie on that level. And not every movie is going to serve you that way. Some are straight one level only, and they right. they have their place. But this movie, like you could watch it, and there's more going on than meets the eye. And I think I think Hughes was intentional about that they fit a lot of story in and all that stuff it says an hour and 37 minutes long yeah they fit a lot of stuff in. yeah there. talk about Whatever. compact and efficient economical writing right uh yeah i think i'd mentioned it i think before like on our on our group chat or whatever that uh pitch perfect with with anna kendrick like she's kind of the the rebel of the the group and i feel like she's in hindsight i feel like she's kind of the bender of of that movie right and she even dresses in plaid and dresses in similar colors yeah, yeah, yeah. as bender yeah, you sent me that picture and i was like well that's bender's clothes right yeah, there's the shirt and there's this right yeah and then the she'd never seen the movie like her boyfriend ends up showing her this movie okay well that's intentional then yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely... he shows her this movie yeah it shows her the breakfast club in that in that movie yeah yeah yeah. And she's very closed off and all this stuff and at one point like she she kind of shrugs it off or whatever i remember right initially yeah um and even like he He's a big movie fan. He talks about Star Wars, and she makes fun of that. Going, Vader literally means, you know, father. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, how did you know that? How did you know? Because she'd never seen it before. Yeah. Anyhow, but she ends up watching it alone later on in the movie, and she's crying. Like, she's crying when the you see Bender. Club? Yeah, when you see Bender with, yeah, the, yeah. you know, with his hand up, and then she incorporates it into her one of their songs. You know, for the Sweet. for the break breaking in three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never even. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm glad you told me that because I've never seen that movie, yeah, and nor yeah. will I ever. And now I know that. Oh, pitch perfect. So, oh. Yeah. They're a lot of fun, man. I, like, sure. I don't like musicals, but they're funny and they're, yeah. you know. Like, no. Yeah. Ever seen any of the Pitch Perfects? Now I don't have to. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> they're an acapella group. So, like, one of them would literally right now be like, oh, excuse me? That's what, that's what they would say to your response of having not seen it. You know, stupid, okay. stupid shit like that. Right. You know? Well, uh, pass, consider, recommend section I, obviously, my God. If, obviously, it's pass. Uh, obviously, I hate this movie. Uh, I highly recommend. This movie. Yeah, absolutely. I was probably on in the middle of that last time. Yeah. And now I'm definitely yeah. recommend hard. I think it's a good movie on just a surface level. Sure. But I think there's a lot going on and yeah. I think it I think it it's a good movie, but it and uh, you know finger quotes an important movie, you know, as far right. as some of the themes that are going on. That are, I think they're because you just just fill in just swap out whatever constraining issue you want uh in place of simple definitions right the, the simple definitions today could be you know whatever your politics are you know uh, how you identify you know sure. yeah uh, no yeah i think you use work yeah you know, just swap out today yeah from, put in civil rights okay that that was good in the 60s put in gender identification whatever okay. that, that movie the theme of that movie is timeless and i think he executes it in such a way mm -hmm. that it would speak 
hundred years from now to whatever thing is happening, you know, whatever. Anyway, Jerry, is your microphone you really on? Really want to know? Yeah, you really want to know what I think? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> she doesn't okay. go as deep as I do. I don't no, care. I don't. But while I do appreciate everything that y'all said about the movie <laughs> and how you broke it down, this of course came out when you know we're I'm the same age as these these guys these kids. We're at the time, yeah. yeah how yeah. we are now, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it in the theater. Yeah, I didn't see it. In the saw theater. it later. Couldn't relate to it because, you know, the way I looked at it was, okay, yeah, it's entertaining. I couldn't relate to any of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as me in high school, I was in the band, so I'm I'm the band nerd that was not represented. <laughs> represented. Yeah. Okay. I worked in the library for 13 years. I love being in the library, so I couldn't relate to that. So I don't look at it on the same level. Uh, It was an entertaining movie. I watched it. I've seen it a couple of times, but it's not my favorite of the of 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 his movies. Uh, yeah, no. I think, I think you had said something about you were real mad about when they were messing up the cards and ripping. Yeah, the books. yeah. yeah all she I could mean, put was the Dewey Decimal cards. He was. Flipping and moving them around, yeah, and tearing the, covers the off cards, the and... tearing up the book. You don't do that. I, I think you don't do that. No, like, I don't. I don't think I identify specifically with a single one. But like, if you had to press me, I would probably be a cross between maybe uh, Brian and Allison. Like, because I was a loner in high school, not necessarily a brain, but more into reading and this kind of thing. Why did I think you were a jock? Yeah, sure, right. <laughs> <laughs> All this and brains too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so so uh, and I think that's some of the the beauty of this movie. Maybe you're not the jock, but you can see yourself in maybe one or two. Or yeah, there's elements. You know, it, it's like one person split into five fractions. It, it, you're a little bit of all of them, right? But at the end of the movie, we're all these things, and I think that's true. You know, sometimes you know whatever. And, and I guess I'm just wrong for not thinking. I don't know. Yeah, no, but that's just. The way I came at it because I'm I'm that age when I'm watching the movie and well, thinking, yeah. oh my god, I can't relate to these kids. Sorry, I, this, I but mean, but that's the beauty of it that it can be enjoyed on almost any level, right? right? But no, like I said, I appreciate everything, all the work that went into sure, yeah. his movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, and I mean, as far as and as talking about work, I, I discussed this last time that the books are. In this um, room, it was actually a gymnasium. They turned into sure. a library, correct? Yes. And uh, they, they built did, a set in the in the library in the gymnasium. Yeah. The books were donated. They were going to be recycled, but they were actually put in the correct order. So they they did take the time even to do that. The set designer put it in the Dewey Decimal System, which you'll yeah. never see. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway. So, would you pass recommend or consider? Oh. I'm always recommending you watch a, a movie. You know, it it was it was a good movie. Sure. Okay. Yeah, well, it was good. Well. I, I enjoy watching these characters. I enjoy the actors that play these characters. Sure. But as far as his movies go, no, I prefer what was it? Let's see, Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller, all those other movies. Because yeah, sure. they're 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 to me I the other movies are fair. yeah they're lighter and they're, they're lighter they're funnier. Yeah. This is this is. It gets kind of no. It gets dark. Heavy. It gets yeah. dark. Especially, I, I was surprised that Brian had brought a gun to school, which is my God, that's the thing today, right? I mean, yeah, uh, that was a flare gun, and they use it as a lighter moment, which I think Hughes does intentionally to sort of bring us out of that darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, he was ready to commit suicide, and maybe that's the only gun he had access to. Uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, it gets dark. It does. Well, I mean, but, but sixteen back candles to the... never gets as dark as this. I don't think Ferris Bueller gets as dark as this. Mm-mm. But I guess okay. I guess where I can relate is, yes, when I was in the band, I was friends with different, you know, different age groups, different. Sure. They from. Yeah. yeah. All I mean, you know. Right. From the like, I was in the honor classes to the ones who weren't. I mean, we were all one as a band. Yeah. So, okay, I guess I can see that. Whatever. You are part of the system, Sherry. Yeah, the band <laughs> system. <laughs> I am a band nerd, and I admit it. That's what I was thinking about with, um, we were talking about, you know, the different characters you identify with. Where there's like, you know, people our age that are watching it now for whatever reason, or even back then, right? And there's, the one they identify with is Vernon. Like the the end of the movie, they go, "Holy shit, I'm Vernon!" Well, you know, and then they have some sort of like life, you know, life changing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, these kids turned on me, man. Yeah. Anyhow, and and the the other side of that, and I'm not saying this is you or whatever, but we may not be aware of how we simply define people. Sure. You know how, you know. So you're saying, you know, okay, well, I don't, I just can't identify with any of them, and and I'm not saying that, you know. That you simply define people, but there, but looking back, I mean, there may be ways that you did conveniently define and were never brought to your attention. Or, or she's just on a higher plane; yeah, she doesn't right. apply, well, apply labels to people. Phil, yeah, no. I, uh, <laughs> I thought this at the beginning, uh, after I watched it the first couple times, was these kids need therapy. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you said that last time. No, that's one hundred percent true, and yeah, I think yeah, they yeah. get it. I mean, I, absolutely. Uh, oh, if generate if if this was the archetypes for generation x yeah quote unquote you know you get the jock and all that generation x needs therapy Absolutely. all of them yeah <laughs> it's so bad well but. generation x was also the latchkey kids like because you know you would go home and your parents both parents worked so you would go home and you would have your you unlock the door and you for like forgotten most, generation yeah most of the most of the day you'd be alone after school because your parents were working yeah, and so yeah. There was this tendency as they were caught up in trying to get careers and money to just ignore you or only pay attention to what you were doing when it started to hit the radar. Like, oh, my God, your grades are down. Oh, my God, you, you know, you're, you're going to lose your scholarship because they were so preoccupied sure. with the system of earning brownie points, of, in, of moving up, of making their lives secure that they started treating the kids this way, you know, whatever. Anyway. Great movie. Yeah. So good to go. Well, All right. Did you? I didn't hear your recommendation. Oh yeah, it's recommend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. So, um, all right, I might be out. All right, we're out then. Breakfast Club. To me, like the number one thing a writer should do first is is decide what he wants to say. He's here to shake things up and be different. Everyone else is being dropped off. Run straight into the one they cannot ignore because when you grow up, your heart dies. That's I think that's the premise of this movie. Things have to break down for the change that needs to happen to come. All these kids are going to have to change their minds, so he moves the brain from one side to the other. A writer has the opportunity to hammer theme at every sentence, because you guys are, are rebelling, and we need you back in line in the system. I've seen you, you know. Screws fall out all the time, yes. man. At that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, uh, it's got to be. There's many pages. Oh, very nice. Yeah, anything yeah, about see that? What I'm yeah, 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 very nice. Uh, Hughes, man. They're all on their own page. By the end, they're on the one. And yeah, yeah, at very the nice. end, they're all on oh. the same page. 